Good afternoon, and welcome to Behind the Roar, a podcast created to give our listeners a behind-the-scenes look at South Lyon High School out of South Lyon, Michigan. Behind the Roar is affiliated with South Lyon's newspaper, The Lion's Roar. You can check out our online pieces at lionlife.org. That's L-Y-O-N-L-I-F-E.org. Today, I'm joined by seniors Natalie Young and Skylar Hanselman, an English teacher Miss Smithcourt, to discuss the power of film and television that are made by women and for female audiences. Thank you three so much for joining us today. So I wanted to start off by asking, what are some of your favorite films and shows that fall under this category, and what is it that you love about them? Um, for me, some of my favorite, um, I, I mostly listed movies, uh, Little Women, Lady Bird, the movie Fresh, Coda, Black Widow, and Queen of Kawate, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and why I love these is just because they tell an interesting story that are like female positive, and they were like directed by women, so that just makes them like that much more cool and makes the story like that much more hitting home and valid for me. So unlike Natalie, I actually concentrated primarily on TV shows because um, those are the first things that popped into my mind. But um, three that popped to the surface immediately were Jessica Jones, uh, Gilmore Girls, and The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Um, and the first two, Jessica Jones and Gilmore Girls, the reason why I love them so much is that you know they're very different in obviously a lot of ways, but they operate under the assumption that equality is a given, and it's not you know, femininity in your face, but like it's women being strong and being the protagonist and being able to hold their own, which you haven't seen a, a lot of until the past maybe 15, 20-ish years, and it just keeps getting better and better. Marvelous Miss Maisel is a little bit more in your face with that, but I really like the character. I like um, the development of her, and I think she's really awesome, so... Um, going off of Nat, one of my favorites is definitely Little Women, especially because it's written by a woman and it's for women, but I think it's unfortunate that it doesn't appeal to a lot of men solely because of the themes. Thank you guys so much for that. I am a really big Jennifer's Body fan, and I know that's super unpopular, but like, I like a good like, bit of like campiness or kind of like that almost ridiculous aspect to like my female empowerment movies like that's like my favorite thing because it just like it feels so much that it's made for women you know what I mean like I almost like movies made for women that men aren't really supposed to enjoy (laughs) 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 so um I would also love to know a little bit more about your favorite female protagonists in tv and film like specific characters what really like makes them stand out to you above everyone else And also, after, I would like to know, do you think it's more important that female protagonists are role models for younger girls, or do you think that we should be leaning into making them a little more flawed, or perhaps a combination of both? Um, Some of my favorite female protagonists were, like, from the movies that I listed earlier. So Black Widow. um, I also really like Claire Foy's uh, Queen Elizabeth from The Crown. Enola Holmes, which is, um, like... I'm not sure if it's a real story, but it's like Sherlock Holmes' younger sister played by um, Millie Bobby Brown, uh, Katniss Everdeen from The Hunger Games, and then the movie Hidden Figures and all the women's there, all the women there. And what makes them stand out to me is like, um, they all seem like very alone in their struggles. Like they have their other group of women that also help them. But I feel like with male protagonists and maybe other female protagonists they have sort of like a sidekick type friend that helps them and I feel like for the ones that I listed they're sort of alone in their struggles and I like that um 
And then for role models or more flawed, I feel like the combination of the two is definitely better because I feel like looking up to flaws is also a really important thing to have and do. Okay, so for me, I tried to deviate a little bit from my favorites in the first question. Um, I think one of my favorite female protagonists of all time is Miranda Priestly um, in uh, The Devil Wears Prada. I think that she's awesome. I love how fierce she is. She's also based off of a real woman that I believe is the editor-in-chief of Vogue magazine, I think. Um, and I just love how strong she is and how in control she is and how people almost you know fear her in the entire movie just because of who she is and I think that that's really really cool um, and it's not something that you see a lot um, especially like corporate worlds woman in charge kind of thing so I really like that um, so as far as do I think it's more important to make female protagonists role models or um, making them flawed I feel like kind of like your answer it's a little bit of both um, I feel like if you make a female protagonist too perfect, then people aren't going to be able to relate to her as much. And so there's not going to be as much of a message that's driven home there. Whereas if she does have flaws, um, people are going to be really able to relate to her more, but also look up to her in the process of that. So like, you know, Miranda Priestly, while she was awesome in the business world, her personal life suffered as a result. So she was a flawed human being. Um, and so that's also why I liked her as well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to have a good balance of being flawed and be like being able to be looked up to because especially with young women, it's it's good to have a role model for them to look up to. Um, but they also have to be flawed in a way to make them more relatable to young women. I definitely agree with those ideas, especially like I love shows or movies that have like a combination of both and like different characters. Do you know what I mean? Like Little Women, for example. Like I think it's safe to say that Amy is much more flawed than Joe, at least in my opinion. But she's still someone that can be so relatable as in like I want to be great or I want to be nothing. Like then you have Joe, who's also equally driven, but she doesn't necessarily make the same mistakes as Amy does with trampling over other people like does anyone here watch House of the Dragon or has yes. watched like Allison versus Rhaenyra yes. like I can understand female versus non-traditional exactly like just that contrast between different characters and like you can feel bad for characters like Allison Hightower but also be like oh my god you suck so it's like I think what you said also is really right like so much of TV and movies were like we need to, like, sanitize, I guess is the right word, like, the female experience and make it, like, relatable for everyone or, like, make present women a certain way. So to see that now that it's, like, a thing where women can be villains, it's not necessarily empowering to see a woman be evil, but it is, like, makes her really good, complex female characters, so. Before, well, not before, <laughs> moving on to the next question, are any of movies or tv shows do you think that like potentially miss the mark when it comes to the idea of like empowering women or feminism like movies that you want to like in theory but really just like didn't hit uh for me i said the 355 this was a movie that came out oh probably last year 2021 it has jessica chastain and a couple other big name actresses in it and i really liked the movie overall um i just felt like there was some sort of weird feminism with like some lines they just were very like in your face girl bossy type stuff where it was like yeah I get the feminism but it's like that's so much and like you're overselling the point and this movie was directed by a man so I feel like that is kind of where it comes from where he was trying to oversell it versus just like 
letting the girls have their sort of powerful moment together. And then I feel like they're with Marvel movies, there's definitely some aspects of this where they just really shove it in your face, but they don't like really follow through with like keeping it female positive. They sort of put the female character in, make her seem really cool, and then don't really advance her storyline. I feel like Captain Marvel is a really good example of that, um, especially in like Infinity War and Endgame. She just sort of came in as like, I'm a really powerful female character that's all type of stuff. So I just didn't really like that. I feel like it could have been a bit smoother. Yeah, I definitely agree with the Mar the Marvel take. Um, I think that if you haven't watched it already, you should watch uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever because I feel like it takes it to a new level. So I think you'll be pleased with that one. Um, as far as my answer though, of you know, movies gone wrong and missing the mark when it comes to this, I think the remakes of films that were predominantly male casted don't do well in my opinion so movies like the the ghost the version of ghostbusters with all women not a fan of that oceans 8 instead of oceans 11 because what you're doing is you're taking classics that people love um and you're turning them into a political statement which not necessarily a bad thing but when it's done it needs to be done well and i feel like they weren't executed well and it almost kind of left me wondering like why didn't they take this great cast of people because in both movies they have fantastic actresses and do something new with it instead of following the footsteps of what's been done before um so that's you know those are movies to me that come to mind that miss the mark so before we pass it over to skylar i really love that idea that you said like if we're gonna like have female driven stories it should be like a new story like especially coming from remakes especially with that ghostbuster one like we shouldn't just be recasting women for the sake of like oh this is feminist, this is a girl boss film, we should be doing it to like tell women's stories in a way that matters. So I really loved that idea. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think especially going back to what Nat said about it being kind of in your face in the 355, I definitely agree with that. Um, certain parts were definitely a little bit like, kind of turned me away from the film just because it's like kind of hard to watch. <laughs> um, but I feel like when that is done, it's just not, it ruins the authenticity of it being a female empowerment film, and it turns people away from it. Yeah, I feel like that also, like, they try to do it to, like, appeal to, like, f female audiences more, and I feel like that turns away the male audience, because they're like, I don't want to see this movie, it's a feminist movie, where if it's, like, more subtle, maybe they'll watch it and not realize that they were watching feminism or whatever and they'll be like oh actually that makes sense type of thing so like when it's really in your face it I feel like turns away some male audiences I definitely agree with that like there so I over the past week have watched the original Black Christmas 1974 versus 2019 1974 was a movie that I wasn't expecting to quite as be as feminist as I thought it was going to be, especially it has like a storyline about abortion that's very progressive, especially since it was such like a new thing at the time. And it was so good. And I watched the 2019 one to compare. It like uses every like Twitter buzzword you can like think of. Like it's just, <laughs> it's trash. Like I'm, I hate to say it, but it's like, that's it. And that's the worst part is like these male directors think that that's what women want when they're watching movies. And that's not true. So not only does it turn away male audiences, it turns away, I would argue, a good chunk of female audiences, too. Sure. And on that topic, um, are there any like female led movies that were 
directed by men besides the 355 that like you're like god this really could have been improved by the vision of a woman i i feel like for me the one that immediately stood out and it's not like it's not female-led entirely but there's a character in it that's female that is very iconic suicide squad the first suicide squad I thought that the portrayal of Harley Quinn was insulting. Um, I did not like how she was sexualized the entire time and not made to be a complex character. She was just kind of the Joker's plaything um, and with no real depth or personality. So I really did like that a female director took over uh, the movie Birds of Prey and made her into a more complex character and gave her uh, those attributes. And like there have been so many stories that have been released in the past few years about, you know, even if you look at the wardrobe comparisons between how she was portrayed in Suicide Squad versus how she, how she was portrayed in pretty essentially the remake of Suicide Squad as well as the Harley Quinn movie. Um, and you can just tell the differences between which, I mean, which one was directed by the male and which was by the female because one is entirely, it seems like, for the male gaze, whereas the other one is for, you know, a little bit more comfortable for everybody, I feel like. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I feel like when female-led movies are made by men, there definitely is that aspect of sexualization where, like, as a man, I don't really understand how to appeal to women. I only understand my view of women, so I'm going to make a more sexualized character versus when it's done by a woman, she understands sort of the complexities behind female actions and female takes on situations, so there's less of that sexualization. I think there's also just a lot of sexualization with female like superheroes. We see this a lot in Marvel. Um, especially with Black Widow, when you look at the earlier films that she was in, you see her outfit is very different and, you know, not necessarily functional when you look at it. Um, luckily that has progressed more as it, as we move forward with that. That was definitely something that I wanted to bring up. Like, Joe and Anthony Russo did amazing on Captain America the Winter Soldier except there's a scene in the helicopter. I'll never forget it. Her, like, outfit is, like, basically fully unzipped. Like, it's, like, basically a full chest shot, at least from the side. And, like, there's just no reason for that. And also, like, in the first Avengers movie, she is, like, kidnapped, and she's, like, barely dressed. Like, it's just, yeah. Things like that. And then also thinking about Joe and Anthony Russo got me kind of circled back to Endgame the scene in which the women are all together and they're like, you know, don't worry, she's got help. Like, there's a lot of talk about that scene. All the women are just kind of randomly there. So, so forced. Yes. Yeah. And I just, that had me thinking about, like, what do you guys think about movies? Or not what do you guys think, but what do you think the value is of, value is of movies that, like, have genuine, seeming, and authentic connections between different other women? Because, like, we've talked about, like, protagonists on their own. But, like, what do you think the value is of, like, movies and TV shows showing women sticking together and, like, in a way that's not so forced or, like... I feel like Friends does a pretty good job of that. Like, obviously, with Friends, there is aspects of, like, not the coolest things, jokes that are sexist and stuff. But I feel like with the three girls' friendship, they really stick together and have each other's backs, especially when they're being antagonized by the other three men with those weird sexual and inappropriate jokes. I feel like they really do stick together and have each other's backs, and I feel like that is super important, especially for when it was made, women seeing that, and also, like, 
um, sort of our younger generation seeing that, like, those three friends having each other's backs. I feel like an example that sticks out to me that I don't, I don't know if anybody in here has seen, but um, the movie The Joy Luck Club, um, maybe you've heard of it before. Um, it's a movie where basically these women from two different generations, um, so we've got the younger generation and the older generation telling the stories of how they got to where they are um, at the point that they're at, um, and just being able to bond over things that have happened to them in the past. It seemed more organic and more genuine um, than kind of like forcing the whole, yeah, we're in this together. Um, you know, another example that sticks out of my mind that's not a specific example, but a topic is um, usually when a movie does a really nice job of addressing the topic of motherhood. Um, a lot of the times uh, that can also, you know, create this whole sense of community, like, hey, this person's going through the same thing that I went through, that I'm going through right now, um, that they maybe didn't even necessarily try to do, um, but that a lot of the time, if it's done well, hits home for me. Um, off of you saying that, talking about motherhood, there was um, a 2020 movie called Pieces of a Woman, and it was actually directed by a man but it did such an amazing job of portraying like the female motherhood story. It's about a woman who uh, is pregnant and she wants to have a home birth, so she does, and she loses the baby in the process. And it's sort of like the after story of that about her marriage falling apart. And I had no idea that it was directed by a man because it was just so beautifully done. And it really, there was no sexualization of her whatsoever. And I feel like it just really did a good job of showing her story and the struggles and I feel like it's a really important movie to make because a lot of women can relate to that and like it's not it's sort of like a taboo topic and it's not really talked about all that much I love that um that saying of like the taboo topic and I now I kind of want to discuss like what are movies that like they touch on things that like I'm trying to articulate what I want to say. Like, again, those taboo topics, like things that you like went to the theater and potentially you were like, wow, this blew me away. Like I've never either never seen a movie like this before that hit it so well or like just, yeah, basically. So one that sticks out to me that I jotted down here was uh, the movie Promising Young Woman. Yeah, directed by Emerald Fennell. Um, I, you know, like I knew what it was going to be a commentary on from the title because the title is a play off of the one case um, where there was, um, I think it was at Stanford or somewhere, like he was in an Ivy League school, he was a swimmer in an Ivy League school, ended up raping a girl behind a dumpster, um, gets put on trial, and one of the quotes from the judge, I believe, is that he was a promising young man. Um, and so I, I knew that it was going to be a commentary on that, but it is very graphic in a way that, like, usually is very taboo um, and it hits on the topic in a way that I haven't seen hit on before that is so in your face that it's almost like I know we just got done talking about the fact that sometimes like that's not the right approach but for whatever reason it really worked with this movie for me so I think that for Promising Young Woman I totally agree I loved that movie and I think it's because so many movies or especially movies made by men like they're totally okay with showing graphic rape scenes like especially in, like the horror genre things like that and it's something they can just do and not have to deal with but when you see that brutality that she's imposing on men then it's real for them because like it's like that line in the movie uh, where she has that guy tied up and he's like you know being accused is every guy's worst nightmare and she's like what do you think every woman's worst nightmare is yeah, that 
I haven't seen that movie, but it does sound like a good movie, and I think I'll probably end up watching it. I feel like talking about taboo topics in movies is a really important thing because it sort of, like, normalizes them and, like, like normalizing them in, like, a good way where it's, like, there are people who have these stories, like, you're not alone type of... I don't want to say... It's, like, a little cliche type thing, but it is really important because I feel like a lot of women who go through those experiences feel like they're alone and like it's important to show that they're not and there are other women either based on a real story or if it's a made-up story someone can probably really really relate to it and i wanted to talk about favorite female directors like is there any directors specifically that stand out to you what is your favorite movie of uh theirs that you've seen and what just the qualities of their filmography as a whole that like really stand out to you so one of my favorite female directors, I would have to say, would be Sofia Coppola. I, I really like her, and despite the fact that sometimes some of her movies get negative reviews, I just like that she's got her own style, her own sense of artistry. Um, you know, when I heard that you know she was directing a movie like one of my favorites, uh, Virgin Suicides, like I was a little, I was a little nervous that. Um, I, w I was a little nervous about the fact that she was going to try to fall into her father's footsteps because he's such a big name in film with The Godfather and Apocalypse Now. No, she made it completely her own. Um, I like The thing I love most about her, um, aside from the aesthetics of her movies, is the incorporation. Like her, You can tell the attention to detail that goes into the soundtrack of each of the movies that she makes. Like Even Marie Antoinette, which to be honest, wasn't one of my favorites of all time. I loved the soundtrack of the movie and I like how it almost, it like clashed with the actual aesthetics of the movie, but it almost was there to kind of serve as a commentary in its own right. And so I really like the level of detail that she goes into to portray some of her stories. Um, I was so excited that you said that because that was my, like, exact answer. Like, I was going <laughs> to reference The Virgin Suicides. I watched that movie for the first time a few months ago. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I just think, like, because we were talking about the male gaze earlier, like, the way that she was able to kind of capture that. Like, it, honestly, like, I might cry thinking about that movie. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing that in the theater when I was in college and being blown away. So, Yeah. Um, as I mentioned earlier, one of my favorite movies is Lady Bird, and that was directed by Greta Gerwig, who did the most recent remake of Little Women. And I feel like Greta Gerwig is just, like, such, like, an independent, like, person. Like, she just has a very distinct style, and it's just so casual, where I don't even feel like I'm watching a movie. I feel like I am just, like, sitting next to my friends while they're having a conversation in front of me. It just, it really, she does a really good job of just, like, putting you in the situation. I feel like Lady Bird especially, just, like, it's just such a chill story, but it feels so real, and I feel like Greta Gerwig just did, like, an amazing job with that. I Last year in film, I did my book-to-movie adaptation project on Greta Gerwig, and one of my favorite lines that I came up with, and it's a favorite line in our friend group, is she is like a feminist cult following. And I feel like that's just really true with like, she has just like this amazing audience that just loves her movies and just can relate to everything that she does. And I feel like that's just such a cool thing for a director to have. I also wanted to talk about Greta Gerwig because I think that her adaptation of Little Women is easily the best adaptation of Little Women. Um, 
to me, I love the way that she develops her characters without, like, outwardly... I don't really know how to articulate it, but um, she does it in Lady Bird as well. She has a way of making her characters very complex without, um, I don't know, outwardly... Just exactly shoving it in your face, yeah. I also love Greta Gerwig, mainly because, like, three of... Well, it's not, one of her movies is not yet the... Barbie movie that's coming out in 2023. Yeah. But just, like, look at that. Like, Lady Bird versus <laughs> Little Women versus Barbie. So and, like, she... Like like you said, Lady Bird is, like... Especially the scene in the store with her mom where she's, like, yeah, you love me, but do you like me? Like, it feels like you're right there. And it's just, like... Mm-hmm. And then Little Women really does have that, like... Because, obviously, it's an old story. Like, the storybook feel. Like, it just, like... She has such a good way of, like, capturing the tone of her movie so well which is why I'm so excited for this kind of, like, whimsical, fantastical, like, Barbie world that she's created. Yeah, like, even though Little Women is an adaptation, you can still really tell, like, this, it feels like Greta's story, just the way that she laid it out and the story that she told, the things that she kept and the things that she cut from the book, it feels like her story. It doesn't feel like an adaptation, but when you compare the two, it's really, like, wow, she did an amazing job where she cut some things, kept th- some things, but she, you got the same overall idea from both. And I feel like she just did a really amazing job with that. Um, so back, because I had one more thing I wanted to add about like female ensemble casts. Like, unfortunately, movies or TV shows, well, maybe more movies. I think TV shows, it's starting to come around a little bit more. We definitely don't have a good, like, really good shows or a ton of them where it's like female ensembles at the forefront telling like women's stories so like I just want to hear like for those few ones like the few that there are like are there any that really like you love so much and for what reason like what about it like stands it apart or like makes them better than shows that are perhaps led by both men or women or just men um Hidden Figures is the one that comes to mind for me where it's not I guess race is more prevalent, but also fem- uh, female is a big part of it, where if you don't know the story, it's the women behind, I think it's the Apollo 11 launch for NASA, I'm not totally sure, but they did so much for um, the launch where it wouldn't have happened without them, and it's just about their struggles and getting the recognition that they deserve, and I feel like that really stands out to me, where it's just sort of that girlhood bonding where they're all super close and like even outside of work they live in the same neighborhood so they're they go to the same church so they're always together and they sort of have that bond that I feel like you can't really get with men because they don't have that shared struggle of being black female and in like a male-led workplace where it's very much STEM education and they're extremely the minority and this was back in a time where they were like still working in a separate building and they had a separate bathroom and there was one woman who was able to like go into the main building and work but during her bathroom breaks she had to walk all the way over to the other building just to use the bathroom and it's just like a ridiculous story that you like some people don't even realize that that happened like they didn't make those accommodations for her I think she had to use a different coffee pot too which is just like ridiculous and it's just brings to light so many things and also like the fem- the womanhood bonding of those women um to to bring a, a little bit more like modern example and it's been mentioned um in this podcast uh but I'll go back to it is the house of the dragon I feel like 
I really like like the idea of Alicent versus Rhaenyra. And so Alicent is representative. And like while they were friends at first, they're enemies now. Um, and then you also have another character, Rhaenys, that is also very strong. But like, you know, Alicent and Rhaenyra represent the two different facets of what it is to be a female. So Alicent, you know, is very traditional in how she thinks of her role, um, you know, as a queen. And she thinks she needs to be subservient. She, she thinks she needs to play the game underhandedly that way, follow the traditions and values. And that's how she's going to get her power. Whereas Rhaenyra is the complete opposite. Um, so they are foils of one another in every single way that you could think of from their appearance to their personality and she represents the progressive like no this is not okay you're not allowed to tell me what to do just because you're a man um, you know this is you know this is the life that I want to lead and she is the one at the forefront um, and so I really like that show just because it shows you different facets of what it is to be a woman because sometimes like you were saying earlier you do sympathize with Allison and some of the things that she has to do in order to get what she wants into play and other times you don't and you you get angry at her for following the traditions and you side more with her Nira and no one's no one's completely great but also no one's completely awful in my opinion um so I really really like that show in that regard I totally agree about, especially the scene. So there's a scene in that show. Sorry to anyone who's trying to watch this, but, you know, sorry. <laughs> there's a scene where um, Rhaenyra's son cuts Alicent's son's eye, and so he's blinded. And Alicent's like, well, I want, I want his eye. Like, I, you know, this is what I think is fair. And her husband, who is Rhaenyra's father, says, absolutely not. Like, no. And so she takes the knife. She tries to go for him. And Rhaenyra, like, stands in between them. And they have this really, like, it's my favorite scene in the whole series, to com- be completely honest. Because um, not just the way it's shot, like, where you can see people physically taking sides and, like, just the palpable tension, but, like, you talk about them being foils of each other, I think that scene is the most representative of it. Like, Rhaenyra is saying, like, you know, everything I've done, I've given up so much, is basically, like, the gist of her speech, and all for you to, like, basically spit in your father's face, spit in my face, spit in tradition's face. And she's like, well, you know, you've done all these things, but look at what you're doing to me now. You're holding a knife to my face. They know who you are, is what she says to him. So I just think that's also a really good facet of it. Like, you know, you can you can play the game and you can be like the nice girl but like really what does that mean if you're compromising yourself you know things like that yeah um something i can definitely relate to this i mentioned it earlier is the crown i feel like with queen elizabeth and her sister princess margaret there's for sure some aspects of like you have the traditional person then you have the one who's sort of veered off and obviously queen elizabeth is the more traditional one and princess margaret is the one who sort of veered off where back when um she first uh, when queen elizabeth first got the crown she princess margaret wanted to marry a man who had been divorced and that was not allowed whatsoever so it was a whole struggle of you have to wait but oh wait there's this other thing that we have to do and it's very much the sisters fighting but in it there are like flashbacks to their childhood and I feel like this also ties back into like the females bonding together um there's flashbacks to their childhood where their father gives them advice where it's like you are sisters first and then you are royalty second so they're in the end Princess Margaret doesn't get to marry the man that she wants to but Queen Elizabeth tried her very hardest to loop around the rules and bend and break things in order for her sister to marry the man that she loved but in the end they weren't able to marry each other which is just like heartbreaking 
Um, well then, one more thing, I, one show I wanted to add, Dollface on Hulu is so good. It got canceled after two seasons, unfortunately. Very sad. But it's honestly, if you're looking for a show that's, like, really big on not only empowerment, but, like, the actual, like, importance of the bonds of friendship, so good. And it has, a, like, a pretty good cast. Like, it has Shay Mitchell from Pretty Little Liars, Kat Dennings, who is uh, Darcy in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, Brenda Song, who is London Tipton in Sweet Life Zack and Cody. It's really good. <laughs> and then um, w- my final question is, so, like, in general, what do you think is the value of, like, films and shows that are made for women and also shows and t- movies that are made by women? Because, you know, I think there are some movies that fall under that category that have made such a big impact on me, so I'd really love to hear, like, your insight on that and movies that have made an impact on you. Um, I mean, so I feel like I really appreciate nowadays how we have come, and like I know that this is a very cliche thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway, how we've come a long way. Um, And we still have more left to go, but I feel like nowadays, like for instance, again, to bring House of the Dragon back into the fold, I'm a total dork over that show, and I listen to tons of podcasts over that show, but like I didn't know, and it makes complete sense to me that most of those episodes are directed by women, and it, and like you can, like more and more women are getting involved in the directorial roles, producers, um, and like I feel like there's more wherewithal, like from the film industry to know like you're going to be held accountable for your actions. And so we're getting these movies and TV shows like the ones that we've been discussing that are more realistic portrayals of women because of that. Um, So if you go back and you compare some of the big name TV shows and movies from, I don't know, the 60s and 70s to now, like you see that shift. And so I feel like there is a real big impact that women have had on making things more relatable, more realistic, more accessible. Um, And I really appreciate that, and I hope it continues to grow. Yeah, you mentioned accountability, and I feel like I've been seeing ads for this show all over the place. The She Said Harvey Weinstein movie, is it a movie or documentary? One of the two. But um, I feel like that stuff is really important, where like Harvey Weinstein was kind of held accountable like in the past when it happened but now with things coming out like that you see it it's right in your face we're like and it's just sorry lost my train of thought we're like it's laid out and it's told in a story where it's hard to ignore and you're gonna watch the documentary and you're gonna be like wow that happened there it's happening everywhere in Hollywood and it's difficult to escape and that's such a an important thing to call attention to and make known to people who are avid watchers of Hollywood and like pay attention to like the behind the scenes with the people and also the people in Hollywood to sort of realize there's a problem we need to do something about it so, um, one, I think that, like, uh, one thing that Miss Smithcourt said is to swap more f- women in, like, director roles or producer roles. I think that is something that's so important is, like, to give women that creative space to, like, tell, uh, tell our stories. Because, like, there have been some really good uh, female-led movies that are directed by men. Like, Sister of the Traveling Pants and, like, A Simple Favor, like, two of my favorite female-led movies of all time. <laughs> and they're both directed by men and they're wonderful in their own different ways. But, like... When you really get down to it, no one is going to be able to tell a woman's story better than a woman, and I feel like that should be an obvious thing. Um, but also from, like, a, an audience standpoint, just, like, 
movies that you know made me feel like less alone as a little kid or like movies that gave me hope is like sister of the traveling pants was that for me like i you know when i was like really little i didn't have a ton of friends and things like that and so like just the idea that one day i would find like this kind of support system of women who would be there like i know that that's out there for me because i'm seeing it is like something that's i think really valuable one for myself but also for all, all kinds of women like it's just like the idea of representation is very important both in front of a screen and behind it yeah and who better to represent women than women? Yeah. You know? um, <laughs> that's what I was going to say, actually. I think it's good that women are able to step into these roles more and be able to execute their ideas and their stories through themselves rather than through a man or a man to put his own twist on it. Women can actually just do it themselves now, which is good. <laughs> and then, so I know I said final this is my final final question <laughs> so I want everyone to go around one movie that's like either it doesn't even necessarily have to be made by a woman it can just be woman led but like a movie that really made an impact on you and a TV show like specifically that really like whether it was like you saw it as a kid or like whatever or something you saw recently just like wow that either like really like scratch something in my brain or like really struck me right here like things like that um one movie that i watched over the summer was the nightingale it was very hard to watch um there are a lot of graphic depictions of rape um it was very difficult to watch but i thought that the storyline following the main woman in the story was very intriguing and it really um it was hard to forget um, one TV show that just came to mind that I realized I hadn't talked about at all, and it's one of my favorite, is Criminal Minds. I've, obviously, it's more male-led, but there are female lead-ish characters. They can definitely be more, and I know that they're remaking it later this month, actually, like within this week. Um, but, and I am hoping that they'll do a better job with making the female characters more predominant, but I feel like in the first seasons they do a really good job there's no sexualization of the female characters and they just do a really good job of making them powerful females who know what they're doing in the workplace and i feel like that's just a super important thing to see and like just like the power that they have and the decisions that they make and then the fact that those decisions are listened to by their older bosses and how their um opinions are valid okay um so both of mine kind of have a, a connecting theme so the two that have made very big impacts on my life one would be kill bill um that came out when i believe i was in ninth grade i was obsessed with that movie wasn't directed by female directed by quentin tarantino but quentin tarantino has always been very progressive in his portrayal of female characters and protagonists um then the other one uh would be the handmaid's tale and so the reason I say that both of these have something in common is they're just women being badass. And like, I just, it was really fulfilling. And like, I don't know if there's any more depth to it than that. I just really liked that they were not only the heroes, but also like a lot of the times the villains, because in The Handmaid's Tale, you've got the ants that want to, you know, hold everything to tradition to what Gilead wants. And then in um, Kill Bill, you have Lucy Liu and... Um, you have Vivica Fox, I think, is, is uh, the actress, um, you know, com combating against Uma Thurman. And I just feel like the females were the forefront the entire time. They were, you know, 
very fierce, very like, I mean, they were just badass and that's why I liked it. So that's it. My, <clears throat> oh my. My one thing that I would like to, uh, my movie trilogy, what I would like to reference is the Fear Street trilogy. Came out on Netflix like two summers ago. Lee Janiak is like the director and the writer of all the movies. That is one of the Duffer Brothers' wife. So they have like a lot of intersection with like the Stranger Things cast. So it's pretty cool. But it was like, I don't know. It was so progressive without being in your face about it, like gay main characters, people of color. And I think that it just made an impact because that like bit of representation that is like so rare in general, but especially rare within that horror genre like slashers, especially a genre that like primarily kills gay people, kills black pe- black people always die first, at least in older slasher movies. So like to see that kind of turn to like a face of a new era for slasher films was really awesome. And it's even better that it was made and led by women. Going back to Kill Bill, I almost feel like the 355 tried to do what Kill Bill successfully did. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly the same, but it's definitely very similar. Yeah. So before I let you guys go, is there anything else you'd like to say or any thoughts you'd like to share? Okay, all right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to Behind the Roar, and thank you to our guests, Miss Smith, Smithcourt, Natalie Young, and Skylar Hanselman. I'm your host, Athena Sherlock, and please be sure to look on, be on the lookout for new podcasts, future hmm, for future podcasts, and we'll see you all next time. Lions out.